Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. This is Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. I spoke this week with Dave Totaro, Chief Government Affairs Officer with Bayada. He talked to me about the mission of the new Home Care Workforce Action Alliance and how it plans to help improve the worker shortage. There isn't one answer. It's not compensation and it's not benefits and it's not uh, just training. It's a multi-dimensional challenge. And that's why we brought this group together, the Home Care Workforce Action Alliance, to focus on all of these various dimensions. We're looking for an integrated focus on compensation, benefits, training, career growth, um, family and caregiver support functions, and uh, improving the public recognition of the worth and the value of the home care provider. So there are a variety of different things that need to be addressed, and we're hoping that uh, through this, the Home Care Workforce Action Alliance, we'll be able to bring a variety of different voices, different perspectives from different organizations to finally work on finding solutions to this decades-old problem. Tell us a little bit about how this alliance came to be. Well, these two national trade associations uh, determined that uh, the uh, long-time inaction that was uh, was not being addressed by uh, any of associations, that they should come together and work on solutions together to raise the voices of the combined uh, national associations. And so uh, we've been working together uh, for about six months in order to set the governance structure up such that we're able to address significant policy issues for eventual legislative and regulatory reform. Uh, I want to stress, though, that these two associations, NAC and ACOA, will not be the only ones sitting at the table. We are now in the process of reaching out to a number of other uh, associations that have direct care worker uh, shortages and asking them to join us in this movement. We feel that bringing more to the table will enable us to uh, entertain a variety of different views and and, uh, get different positions on key and critical issues uh, that we can then have a stronger position with Congress when we eventually hope to uh, announce our our um, recommendations in uh, the latter part of this year. Can you give us an inkling of what uh, organizations you're approaching or who you're approaching? At this time, I'd prefer not to, but I would say that they all have very strong uh, connections to the direct care workforce, to disability groups, uh, to the aging and uh, medically complex populations. You um, and the other associations provided some really, really startling statistics during the announcement of the alliance uh, some some weeks ago. You had said that Beata is denying two out of three available cases because of the shortage. Yes, that's that's true. Uh, when the pandemic hit us back in March of 2020, uh, we were denying one out of every two cases. So this has not been an issue that was created by. Uh, the COVID crisis. It's been something that uh, our industry has faced for decades now. Uh, However, as in September of this past year, as we were coming out of the uh, 
uh, COVID crisis and more and more folks were beginning to return to work, uh, the situation hasn't gotten any better. In fact, it's gotten worse, and that's why we're currently at uh, around two out of three cases being denied. What kind of direct and indirect effects is this having on your company? For example, what's it doing to the bottom line? We have been able to address the bottom line uh, and remain stable and growing because there is a uh, continues to be a demand for our services. However, we're not able to always fill every one of the case uh, the cases that we have, and therefore today about 23 percent of all authorized hours for service are going unfilled. However, because of uh, the fact that we we do uh, participate in a variety of different practices, everything from pediatric home care to uh, hospice care, um, we are able to utilize our various practices to continue to support those that are in need. Um, Are these shortages happening in the home personal care field or the home health, more medical aspect of home care? Where is the problem uh, at its worst? It does vary by by, uh, uh, caregiver um, uh, and their skills. For example, the personal care or home health aid or home care aid uh, shortages are much more significant right now than the nurse shortages, but both are very severe and causing challenges to providing care to those who, who need it. Uh, we had uh, anticipated as an industry that uh, we will need about 8.2 million direct care workers by 2028. And today we only have about 2.4 million care, direct care workers that are actively employed. Where are these workers going? What happened to them? Has something different happened that you haven't seen in the past? Well, COVID certainly has contributed to it. Uh, there was a, a, a significant amount of our caregivers who chose uh, initially not to work because of a variety of reasons. There wasn't sufficient PPE. Many of the uh, home care providers were caught unaware, uh, unaware of the, the need for PPE and, and had difficulty accessing PPE. Uh, there was a, a burnout issue that has occurred over the past uh, uh, two years with those who did continue to work. And of course, uh, many schools and daycare centers were closed and many of our direct care workers are single parents, single moms and uh, had to remain home with their their children. Now that things are getting better, we're seeing that uh, some are returning to work, but many have chosen to go into other industries that are actually paying significantly more. Retail and fast food, our starting wages are sometimes as high as 20 to $22 an hour. Uh, And then unfortunately, uh, compensation in our industry, particularly for the uh, non-skilled labor force is still very, very weak. There's a lot of competition for this type of worker and uh, specifically in the post-acute care world when you're talking about 
know, both long-term care nursing homes and senior living. Will there be somewhat of a tension with these other segments of, of post-acute care? Well, we're hoping not. Eventually, we're uh, as we continue to invite others into our um, movement, we're hoping that others will, in the post-acute environment, will want to participate and we can find solutions that help all of us. Eventually, we're going to have to fill the pipeline. And uh, we believe that uh, working on educational improvement grants to uh, schools to provide more teachers so that we can train more nurses and more aides, provide them with opportunities for career growth, that this will eventually benefit everyone. What kind of action are you looking to see take place in Congress and through regulatory agencies like CMS? Uh, Are there particular bills that that you like that are maybe circulating right now or that you hope to introduce? Can you give us some kind of hint of what's ahead? The bill that we were all very excited about that stalled, of course, was Build Back Better for the first time in many, many years, a large amount of money, $450 billion was being talked about for the home and community-based industry. And eventually that was reduced to about $150 billion, but still one of the largest outlays of, of funding for home and community-based services ever. Uh, we're hope, hopeful that uh, rumors that we're hearing that something may be coming uh, out again in a, maybe a slightly reduced form by the end of the, the year in August is true, but this is something that we do need. Over the last several years, we believe strongly that the home and community-based services uh, industry, uh, home care particularly, has shown to be the place where most people want to be cared for. Uh, They don't want to go into long-term facilities. It's a safer option, and it's also the most cost-effective option for, for everyone. Now, some agencies are doing things that are working, right? Not everybody is necessarily having the problem that maybe Bayada or other agencies are having. What do you, have you seen that seem might be working, might be a model for, for other home care organizations? Um, and I'm just talking about specific actions that, that agencies are taking that seem to be, you know, making a dent. Recognition and reward is still playing a very, very strong part of any institution that's retaining their employees. And it's those agencies that have a strong culture. We're seeing that uh, culture is much more important today than it has ever been in in the past, particularly in terms of retaining uh, an employee. It's so expensive to recruit. It's so expensive to replace. And so focusing on things as simple as reward and particularly recognition of outstanding work has seemed to be the keystone to keeping employees employed. Digging a little in further into that, is that does that come in the form of, of compensation or just a gift card or some just small token of appreciation? Several years ago, we did a study uh, of about 2,000 uh, both nurses and aides across the country, uh, both who were employed by Bayada as well as uh, uh, not, not that were not employed by Bayada. And we asked them to pick a uh, out of a list of 20 attributes uh, for companies that uh, they would uh, they would consider when 
considering an offer from a particular agency. And among the top five were um, attributes such as compensation benefits, but one of the um, top five was advocacy. And what surprised us was that uh, a, the attribute, a company that will advocate for me, placed higher among this group than compensation and benefits. That those who are um, uh, attracted to a company that will will speak for them, will will be their voice, is more important than compensation and benefits. And that's what I mean by culture. Is if the culture will embrace the fact that they. Uh, appreciate, recognize, and want to reward uh, their employees through raising their voice and doing what we're trying to do in, in Congress this year, that will help attract more people to the workforce. That is really interesting. One of the more, I don't know, amorphic aspects of what you want to do is to raise the respect of home care workers. And that's sort of, we understand money, we understand culture, but respect. How do you go about doing this? What does that mean? Well, that's a hard, that's, that's hard to do. Um, you know, we have discussed this a lot and it's, we just can't, you know, paint, put lipstick on a pig and then go out and say it's, you know, it's an attractive position. So, we have to do a number of these things that I discuss, including compensation and benefits, that's still paramount. But we've got to provide better training. We've got to provide career growth so that an individual can see that they may start as a personal care aide, but they have great options and opportunities to grow within their organization. And then we're going to have to make sure that the public is aware of uh, these opportunities, uh, both when they, uh, when individuals and, and teenagers make decisions about what they want to study in college, we're going to have to provide a better pipeline and um, give them additional opportunities for training within school so that when they come out of school, this is something that is an attractive opportunity and not just positioned as someone who cannot get a job elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What is the Alliance doing right now? And what would you like those providers listening to this podcast to do right now? Currently, the Alliance is reaching out to other like trade associations. Uh, and we are planning to bring a larger group than just the two trade associations that announced this. We're planning to bring this larger group together in Washington during the first week of August to then break into four different work groups, one that will concentrate on compensation and benefits, another work group that will concentrate on training support and educational opportunities, another one that will concentrate on the development of a career path and career opportunities for each one of our direct care worker categories. And then of course, the last group will work on how do we promote a increased respect image, elevating the, the, the workforce. These four work groups then will meet separately during the uh, third, late third and fourth quarters of this year. And we're hopeful that they will report out with policy recommendations to the Workforce Action Alliance by the end of the year. And then 2023 will be a year in which we'll, we're, we're going to work towards implementing 
many of these processes and get them considered by our congressional representatives. That's terrific. And then if anyone wants to uh, learn more about the Home Care Workforce Action Alliance, I would ask them to go to our website, which is homecareaction.com, homecareaction.com. Super. Well, that's a great note to leave on. Thank you so much, Dave Totaro of Biota, for talking to me today. Appreciate your interest. Thank you. Read other installments of the Workforce series at mcknightshomecare.com. And please stay tuned for more parts coming in the months ahead. Meanwhile, don't forget to check out the McKnight's Workforce Development Forum happening today. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit mcknightshomecare.com.